Welcome to the Unpacked Podcast, a podcast devoted to unpacking faith, life, and leadership. The goal to simplify big ideas for greater impact in everyday people like you and me. Well, welcome to episode number 18 of our podcast. My name is Skylar Elmer. I am your host, and I hope that this conversation today will give you the encouragement you need to make a greater impact in your life. Well, today is a conversation that not many people are accustomed to thinking of or talking about, and I'll admit up front, uh, a part of me is kind of hesitant to hit the air episode button, not because of what is said, but because of who I'm afraid gets the focus. Today, we are talking about the topic of spiritual warfare and demons, and my hesitancy is that this topic would spark unnecessary curiosity that could lead um, someone down a dark um, path. And so if this episode um, is, is something that you would be afraid, it would concern you of leading you down that kind of path, I want to encourage you to go ahead and skip over this episode. However, I'm going to go ahead and share this episode for a number of reasons. First, spiritual warfare is talked about in the Bible. Second, spiritual warfare still happens today. And third, Jesus defeated our greatest spiritual enemy. And understanding what the Bible says about spiritual warfare and the power that we have in Jesus helps us live more fully for Jesus. And to help us get our minds wrapped around this somewhat taboo topic is Dr. Gary Brashears. Gary teaches theology courses at Western Seminary up in Portland, Oregon. Along with teaching at a Bible college, he's also on the board of directors for a pretty incredible nonprofit organization called The Bible Project. And along with that, he's an elder at a local church in Gresham, Oregon, where he preaches and teaches regularly. Gary has had a tremendous influence on me and countless others, and he has done hundreds of hours of research and teaching on this very topic, and it's why I asked him to come and speak and uh, help us understand spiritual warfare in the Bible for today. Well, it is an absolute honor, and I am so excited to have Gary Brashears on the podcast. Gary, welcome. I am glad to be here. Well, Gary, um, I, I know a little bit about you um, by some of the books you've read and, you know, connection to Western Seminary. But for those who may not know uh, who you are, can you just do a little bit of introduction, you know, who you are, how did you come to faith, and what do you do? Well, I am a professor of theology at Western Seminary. I've been doing it for more than four decades, wow. which says I'm a really old guy, and I am. I I married for 52 years. I've got two bio kids, an adopted daughter, and assorted in, uh, non-legal kids, not illegal, but we collect kids. I, I'm pastor of pastors. I'm on leadership team at Grace Community Church in Gresham, and I, I get to work with some of the most amazing people in the world. Uh, one of the most recent I did is a incredible pastor who's South Sudanese, He's living in one of the refugee camps in northern Nigeria, which is an absolute hellhole. People are literally dying of starvation. And I was interacting with him this weekend because we're getting some aid to him so he can distribute it to people. Yeah, I, I just get to do all kinds of cool stuff. It's absolutely phenomenal. I love it. And I love Jesus, too. Came, I was born a Christian. Um, my first Sunday in this world, was in, I was in church. Kicked out of Christianity hard at the age of 14, 
because they're asking questions that I was told, hey, nice Christian boy, don't ask questions like that. And I knew I was asking the question. I was very happy not to be a nice Christian boy. Four and a half years later, I was on the edge of suicide. Oh, wow. God encountered me again, and I made a deep personal commitment to Jesus as Lord, and it's been out of here ever since. Wow, wow. Um, now, you said four decades you've been teaching um, <laughs> in, in academics, and you are also, um, um, uh, you work with leaders, you're, you're a pastor of pastors, you're also an elder of a local church um, in my hometown, and I, I had no idea that, you know, we had this kind of uh, connection there, but um, why not give yourself to um, one uh, over the other? Why, you know, why pursue um, uh, both, you know, being, being uh, a leader in a church as well as academics? I, if I'm going to become a medical doctor, <clears throat> I want to be taught by the very best doctor ever who can also teach. Now, some really good doctors can't teach. I do not want to be taught by a guy who's getting his doctoring out of a book. Hmm. Same thing. Uh, when I went to seminary after three years of work on the mission field, I was some of the guys I was doing classes with had gotten all their theology out of a book. And I knew the difference between those that had their fingers dirty with real life messy stuff of people. And I think being a, a full pastor, though I'm not paid by my church, uh, and doing work around the world gives me a perspective that enables me to really pour life into as well, knowledge into pastors. So that's the reason for it. And besides that, I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I also, um, I, I saw that originally you, you wanted to pursue um, mathematics uh, yep. and being a professor that what okay what happened what changed for you i god grabbed me in my first year teaching math and drug me to the philippines which was the stupidest thing ever to do in 1969 and I, there's a long story there and when i was over there teaching math at faith academy still looking to be a university math prof and sponsor a christian club on campus I just found I was more interested in learning about Bible than I was about math. Hmm. I still think math is great. I'm just more interested in Bible and theology and redemption of Jesus Christ. That's cool. And then you came out out uh, and started teaching in an academic setting. And, and, uh, well, I, I had to go back to seminary first because I didn't know anything. Oh, okay. So I did my seminary. did my PhD at Fuller because the mission said get a PhD before I went to the mission field. And I was headed back to the Philippines to be a church planner and Bible college teacher. And God grabbed me again and said, come to Western Seminary. And I said, no way. I know about that fight and fundy place. I want nothing to do with it. And God said, <clears throat> and uh, turned out they were coming out of the fundamentalism of that was certainly there in the 60s. And uh, in the mid-late 70s, they were moving into what we call evangelical that is for Jesus and wanting to bring the gospel to all peoples instead of be against all kinds of stuff. So I didn't get to go to the Philippines to be a missionary. I'm still ticked about that, but okay, God wins. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been um, teaching most of your, I guess, academic career at Western Seminary? I, I taught a year and a half at Biola while I was in my doctoral program. Cool. And God drugged me up here, and here I'm still here. Wow, that's awesome. Crazy. Um, 
so I'm I'm very I'm pretty familiar with Gresham um, and just kind of the Pacific Northwest, the um, you know the the. The, the spiritual environment there. In uh, in the world that we live, um, people believe all kinds of things about the spiritual um, realm. You know, I mean, everything from like, I'm a god, uh, to this whole thing is a delusion. And I'm not interested, um, per se, in answering all the questions, but um, can you give us a general understanding? Like, what does the Bible have to say about the spiritual realm? Like, what is it? Um, yeah. Is there such a thing? And is it somehow connected to the world in which we live? Yeah, just speaking for people that are Christian of some sort, most everybody believes in God. Uh, and most people believe that angels are real. They're not sure about them in many cases. Uh, the debate comes, are there bad angels, or what we call demons, and are, are those real? And what I find in many cases in the Western world is they simply do not believe that uh, demons, uh, the rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces of darkness, uh, they just think those are cultural factors that they say, are demons mm. kind of like somebody who's got a anxiety disorder you say well man he's got these demons you don't mean he literally has a demon you mean that he's wrestling with hard stuff but bible presents those spiritual beings as real spiritual beings and and they are they are real not just angels good guys but also demons bad guys mm. so yeah, um, and that was like I I, I I can resonate with that, you know, talking with people, and um, you know, uh, the the conversation can shift very very quickly into you know um, mental health. So so the Bible presents um, kind of a holistic picture that there's not just these um, good angels per se that are for me, but there's also real spiritual evil entities. Uh, yep. in the world. And so kind of yep. identifying that is where the debate is. Yep. So, okay, so as um, as a church, we're working our way through the book of Daniel, and there's a couple of um, uh, references, especially in the latter half of the book, about supernatural players, evil players, working behind the scenes for evil ends. And some, some um, might label some of those scenes as a spiritual war, um, spiritual warfare, and so, Gary, I apologize. I know this is a lo this is a big question. This is a loaded uh -huh. question. But yep. uh, what is and what is not spiritual warfare in the Bible? Well, the spiritual warfare that I think everybody experiences is the accusation deception that our enemy does. The accusation is, you suck. Come on. Nobody could take you seriously. You're so fat. What a pig you are! I mean, those kinds of hmm. those kinds of accusing voices are something that everybody wrestles with, <clears throat> and I think many times uh, that those are actual demonic influences. Now they can come for our culture as well, but the world, the flesh, and the devil are in league, and our spiritual warfare is against the world. What's the narrative to make you successful? The flesh, my selfish desires, but then there's a demonic piece too, and and that's what it is. So it's the accusation, you you that'll never work. Don't even try, and the deception, 
I, you know, it's just this whole thing about being faithful in marriage. I mean, my my girlfriend, she's hot, and man, she, but it, nobody will ever know. It'll be okay. Well, see, that's the deception temptation, and that's the primary thing we run into in spiritual warfare. And it's not some demon making you, you know, your head twist around 15 times in green projectile soup coming out of your mouth or something. Uh, but there are demonic attachments and such higher levels of influence from the dark side. Wow. So, uh, I mean, the way you put that, there's a little bit more personal ownership uh, in the warfare. You know, I when I, I when I right. when I think I hear people talk about this, it's more or less I'm being, uh, I guess, uh, oppressed by something. But there's very much this integrated. No, you know, it's kind of what James says. You know, we are led away by our own. Uh, sinful desires. That's and, correct. And, and yep. so that that is, in a very real sense, um, a very uh, real spiritual warfare that we face. Yep. yep. The demonic piece of spiritual warfare, the demons are real. They're personal. They hate everything about Jesus. And they're using whatever weapons they can to bring you to compromise your faith, to not really believe what Jesus said is true, and to show you that there's a better, more fun way to live life than the way of Jesus. And sometimes there's direct demonic attack in people's lives. And sometimes that can come through. One uh, woman I worked with here recently had a, what we ended up calling the suicide monster. Uh, as a high schooler, she was, she, was a, she was a church rat, and she wanted to do something different. So some of her friends were doing some... Um, I just say demonic stuff. She'd call it spiritual stuff. And she knowingly went to play with demons to get a thrill. And she did. Mm. And a few years later, when I met her, uh, she had what she called the suicide monster that was trying to get her to kill herself. And it was horrific. Oh. And it was absolutely demonic. Me, along with a, another woman, uh, confronted the demon and helped her uh reject it, tell it to get away. And it was a huge, huge deliverance for her. Now, she had still issues, but there was an absolute demonic attachment. She personally had gone after seeking for thrills as a high schooler, and it was killing her. Wow, wow. Those are real. Now, um, that's creepy. <laughs> yes, it is creepy. It what? is creepy. You, yeah, do not play with demons. Play with rattlesnakes. They're safer. <laughs> um, no, don't play with rattlesnakes. <laughs> do not. <laughs> yeah, Gary's not that kind of um, not that kind of Christian. Okay. Um, no. So no, <laughs> yikes. So okay, you've you said a, a couple of times um, attachment, demonic attachment. What do you mean by that? I well, if you studied in counseling, you've you've ta you've talked about attachment theory. Uh, a newborn baby. Uh, it, what the first thing to do with a baby as soon as they possibly can is they take that baby and give it to the mom and she presses it close to her breast, skin to skin, and that begins an attachment, a bond between that mother and that baby, mother-baby bonding. There's a whole science around that. Yeah. And people that don't learn how to attach have real double making. Uh, so that's just attachment theory and counseling. Demons do the same kind of thing. They form attachments with people in order to have influence in their lives. 
Mm-hmm. And when it's like having a really good friend, I'm attached to my friend. Dave Wenzel is a very close friend of mine. He and I have been deep, intimate friends for a long time. And I feel a very strong attachment to Dave. Uh, but a demon can form that same kind of attachment because they are personal beings. And, but it's an influence for evil, a big part of it. But it also gives you knowledge and thrills and a sense of belonging that are very positive. Mm. Okay. Uh, wow, that's um, that's helpful. Helpful to kind of, I guess, see it in that lens. Don't know if I like it, Gary, but um. I, I, it, yeah, it's like drug dealer. People form attachments to their drug dealer. Yeah. Short term, it's really fun because you get some cool experiences and it's free, but it does not stay free. Drug dealers don't work for free, and neither do demons. Mm. So, is there is there a difference? Um, as I kind of, I guess, between the Bible and today, you know, as as you, as I've kind of tried to read through the the different things and some of the things within, you know, Second Temple Judaism and stuff, the scene that you kind of walk into on the Gospels um, is it seems somewhat unusual um, with the the encounters that Jesus has with different right. people. So is it is is what we see, I guess, in the Gospels? Um, with the kind of spiritual warfare different than what we see, maybe we'll see today, or would you say, no, they're, they're um, pretty, pretty much the same? I think Satan works in different ways in different contexts. So in the United States, where we are very naturalist, uh, he works as a naturalist, and God is not real, uh, is a primary thing that he does. And he gives us experiences, but they're, they're akin to experiences you get in other things. If I'm in Africa, where they are openly worshiping the spirits, and you know, and, and I've I've talked to the chief shaman of the strongest demon in Uganda, uh, who became a convert to Christianity. I talked to him when I was there a couple of years ago. Uh, they know the demons are real because uh, they see them all the time. Mm-hmm. And there, it looks a lot more like what you'd see in in the in the Gospels. And against the background of Second Temple Judaism, there was a whole lot of demon worship going on. You see it in First Enoch and other groups, other books like that, where they're talking about names of demons and ways to get them. And of course, it's the background of Baal and Asherah, Chemish, Moloch. I mean, they knew about the demon gods. And so it's first century. Of course, when Jesus comes in, man, he provokes a war like crazy. Yeah. So stuff happens with Jesus because he is the guy and he gets a counterattack really quick. So there is a different level of things happening, but the demon oppression and the possession that we see in Scripture, that was common in the day. Wow. So how do you even begin to um, discern what in the world's going on, deal with, and, and uh, how yeah. do you counsel um, people through different situations You know that feel like spiritual warfare? I mean, uh, like, have you ever had to deal with the spiritual warfare? And like, what did you do? How did you approach it? How did you fight it? The thing that I do for assessment, I mean, some people come in and they know the demon. It's like this one of the suicide monsters. She knew it. She'd called it up. We didn't have to do any assessment. She just had to admit that it was still there. Uh, others uh, think that they're just crazy. Uh, so when I do assessment, I'm looking at, physical kinds of things. I'm looking at emotional kinds of things. I'm looking at uh, relational kinds of things, but I'm also looking at demonic kinds of things. And so what I'm listening for in the demonic realm is uh, 
as they tell me their story, I'm listening for an accusing voice. I'm listening for an oppressive presence. There's something dark in the corner of my room. Uh, I'm listening for involvement in spiritualism and occultism or something. And I just listen for those stories. And when I hear them, then I go back and look at them. Uh, because you can have an experience of something dark in the corner of your room. And it's just paranoia. Sure. You can hear an accusing voice and it's just an internalized, what we call in counseling, a negative introject. But it could be a demon. And that's where I go back and then look at it in the name of Jesus. And demons do not like to be looked at in the name of Jesus. You get a reaction. And the person can recognize that with help. Hmm. Okay. T I mean, talk to me a little bit about what do you mean by look at them in the name of Jesus? Like, what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. When I'm doing this, what I do is get a real strong foundation to help people understand <clears throat> that I'm not in the demeanor of darkness. I am in the kingdom of Christ, Colossians chapter 1. And if I'm in the kingdom of Christ, Colossians 2 tells me that the demonic forces are disarmed and because Christ has triumphed over them at the cross. So I lie them really strongly that those demons do not have authority in my life. Mm. And from that perspective... I have them go back and people tend to know what it means to look into your inner world because we've all got a thought life going on. We've all got uh, stuff going on in our spirit. And I say, look in your spirit, look in your inner world. And just that voice that's been nagging you and accusing you, let's look at it. In the, and then I just prayerfully, Lord Jesus, will you show us what's going on here? Holy Spirit, will you open up our eyes to see what's real here? And then just ask people things like, what, that voice, is that you or is that something else? And with the help of Jesus uh, and the help of me as a priest, help of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of the Father, people, that's, that's not me, that's something else. Mm -hmm. And when you discover it's not me, then many times that's a demonic thing. And I just find with a little guidance, people can figure that out. Wow. Um. So I, I, where, where do you go from there, you know? I, I mean, <laughs> Well, then you do what Jesus did. You know, Jesus in the garden, when, or in the, in the wilderness, when he's confronting the devil, he speaks scripture out loud to the devil, standing firm on truth. He tells the devil to get away. And then he hangs out with angels. I'm not good at that, so I just say do Jesus-y stuff. But don't leave your attention on the devil. That's what I have them do. We think about what scriptures are appropriate for the voices or a presence. So speak scripture out loud to the devil and tell it to get away because I'm a son of the most high God. Mm. Uh, we have the authority to do that in Jesus, not of myself, but through Jesus, I have that authority. Man. Yeah, that's good. You know, I mean, even as you know, you, you think, um, I imagine people listening to this are probably going to get goosebumps and a little creeped out right now. <laughs> Um, but uh -huh. I mean, you even think about, um, man, demons, uh, oppression, um, all of that kind of stuff and those principles, right? Focusing on Jesus, right? I mean, Peter says, um, submit yourselves to God um, and he will flee from you. You know, I mean, the, our attention, our focus needs to be on Jesus. You know, whether right. things are going on or things are not going on, that's, that's just a, a good practice as that's a Christian, correct. just focus yeah. everything on Jesus and his yeah. truth and yeah. put that in. 
do not give your attention to demons any more than you absolutely have to. Uh, that's just, I mean, that I got to know what the enemy is doing. No, you don't. You know what the victor is doing. Focus on him and then dealing with the dark stuff is much easier when you come from a deep relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Um, so when you look at, I guess, the spiritual realm uh, and spiritual warfare, um, are, are there like one or two, maybe three things that you, that you would say that you as a Christian, you, you ought to know this about spiritual, spiritual realm, spiritual warfare? Well, here in the West, the uh, first thing is I have to say that demons are real. Because uh, I'm just amazed how many people just simply don't believe they're real. Now, that's not a demon. You just you just got an anxiety disorder. Uh, that's not a demon. You just, you know, and it's just so hard for us to believe because we don't believe there's anything beyond what is caused by the random application of presently operating natural law. We're naturalists. Uh, and Christians many times don't really believe that God does anything in our world. I mean, they believe in their heads, but they don't act like that. So that's the first thing is this demonic stuff is real, and it may be what's happening in your life. The other thing is that our difficulties are what I call multimodal. Not everything is a demon. Because for some people who've been, you know, Oh my gosh, I've got the demon of pornography. Cast it out and I won't look at the stuff anymore. Well, actually, you've got a lot more going on than demon of pornography. There may be a demonic piece, but it probably some other stuff we need to talk about. So multimodal, uh, a demon is one factor, a real one, but it's not the only factor. Because your own habituations, your family relationships, your physical, those are all part of it. And then once somebody does have a connection, uh, from the perspective of Jesus, I have authority in him to say, get away from me, demon. Uh, and I don't have to have, I don't have to know a whole lot of spells. I don't have to have a lot of esoteric knowledge. I just need to, to come uh, confront the demon in the name of Jesus. And I usually need some help to do it. So get a friend to work with you. So, okay. Talking about, you had mentioned anxiety disorders, and um, I, I know some. I know, I know this is this is like a um, you know thousand dollar question, but how do you how do you separate um, you know I guess mental health issues from um, spiritual warfare yeah. issues? Can you separate? Uh, well, they're different causes. Uh, anxiety disorder comes come from a, a chemical imbalance in your brain. Anxiety disorder can come because you've been attacked as a kid and you've got trauma dis issues going on uh, anxiety disorders can come from a lot of different sources uh, but one of those possibilities is you've got a demon accusing you uh, deceiving you into think that you, you know you're going to be attacked if you don't cross yourself in certain kinds of ways or something like that and that could be a demonic voice and that's that's where I help the person look at that voice and just help them think through and pray through. And people realize, you know, that voice, uh, that's, that's a real voice, but it's not my self-talk. It's something else. People can dissect out a demonic, but it's usually, many times it's multimodal. So go to a good doctor, get your heart, get your, you know, your physical, 
go to a counselor if you got uh, issues and get a, you know, lift up the hood and take a look, is my metaphor on it. You know, get some assessment from a really good counselor. Go to your pastor, find out how your spiritual life is doing, how's your prayer life, how's your relation with Jesus. And in the process, go to somebody who can help you see is there demonic influence in that. Usually multimodal, but that's why demons respond to get away in the name of Jesus. A uh, chemical imbalance in your brain will not respond to that. Mm. Wow. So, um, man, I can I can totally sense you know um, g- growing up in the Gresham area. I, for me, I was convinced um, uh, you know God didn't exist. There was nothing sort of um, the supernatural realm did not exist, and so I can. Right. Um, uh, I, I, I can, I can totally see, you know, I mean, you talked about naturalism a lot and how that kind of can be, um, used, um, I guess a, a vehicle by which, um, to deceive by and, yep. um, just that, I guess that adaptation, you know, you go to different places, it's just, it's just differently. Um, so I guess, you know, speaking to, um, your average, um, church member, church goer, um, uh, I guess you. I guess you'd have that same approach. You know that um, multi. Um, how do you say it? multimodal? Multimodal yeah. um, mm-hmm. approach. Uh, if they, if they're not sure, if they feel like there's something going on, that they should they should hit all of those. Right. The go to your doctor, see how your physical health is. Go to a counselor, see how your psychological health is. Go to a pastor, see your spiritual health, and then yep. go to somebody who could help you discern. If there's anything yep. um, uh, more spiritually taking place, yep. Yep. and so that would be kind of like your advice of what 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 should somebody do if they if they're they're feeling like there's some kind of um, I guess spiritual warfare that they're in demonic. Mm-hmm. Well, a really good thing there is to just sit down with a spirit-led friend and just the way I say it is look inside. Uh, well, first they lay the groundwork of the authority you have in Jesus. Uh, I am in the. I am not in the beginning of darkness. I am in the kingdom of light. Demonic things have no authority over me. Colossians chapter two is really clear about their disarmed. Now they're dangerous. Uh, if I start playing with demons, they'll bite me. Mm. You know, but I, I don't. I have authority over them. And that, from that perspective, then I come in prayerfully, Lord Jesus, show me what's happening inside. Help me understand. Do it with a friend who can help you discern things because there's always good to work with a friend. Uh, and then just explore your inner world and see what's there. Mm. Uh, we do it all the time when you're doing pastoral work or counseling work. We explore our inner world routinely. I think we should do it from a spiritual side as well. And just see what are the influences that are going on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, um, focusing on, um, you know, this, uh, talking about a dark topic. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And, you know, we don't want to give any any glory to, um, you know, Satan and the demon Amen. or anything like that. Amen. Um, talk, I guess, can you drill down a little bit? Um how, do, how does the cross and the resurrection, how is that defeat? How is that disarming? Like, how does, um, how does Jesus yeah. give us victory in, in this kind of area? The, the thing that gives Satan entrance into our lives is the reality of sin in our life. 
because that puts us away from God and it puts us into his sphere of influence. When we come back in full connection to the death of Jesus that brings forgiveness for all sin, we're now fully child of God. His his resurrection brings life into our realm, spiritual life, the life of God. Uh, His exaltation was Jesus exalted above all the heavenly forces, all the spiritual forces of darkness, Ephesians chapter 1. And then he pours out the Holy Spirit on us. And once we come into that place and we fully understand we're children of God, completely accepted. Now, maybe be brats and need some discipline. We're still his kids. Uh, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not helpless victims. Uh, and then from that basis, that's the work of Christ made real through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm a changed person, born again. My deepest desires are godly desires, but I still have leftover sin stuff. And that's what Satan takes advantage of, because my phrase, he just pours energy into that sin pattern of my life. Mm. So it's more than just me going on. <clears throat> but that's where the Spirit gives us power to kill that sin, put it death, Colossians chapter 3, and to just reject, I command you, get away from me, demon. We have that authority because of what Christ accomplished in the cross, and then our connection with him through the Holy Spirit is and that's where the victory is. Cool. Cool. Awesome. So now if, uh, Gary, um, I guess kind of uh, a couple couple last questions for you. Um, if somebody wanted to um, dig a little bit deeper on this um, theologically in a way that's not, um, I guess, in one sense over over our heads, but in another sense, yeah. it's just not weird. <laughs> you know, There's not, a lot of weird you know stuff. not crazy. Yeah. Uh, what, what is there? Is there some like um, uh, accessible resources there out there? Yeah, I I've got a course that I did. Uh, it's oh seven or eight clock hours. Okay. It's at biblicaltraining.org. Bill Mounts has website. There's a lot of resources. Biblicaltraining.org, and I've got a course there on spiritual warfare that's free. And all you have to do is register, and I take you through some of the stuff in here in a little more detail, well, quite a bit more detail. Uh, Clint Arnold, uh, Clint Arnold, he's the dean at Talbot Seminary down in, in uh, Los Angeles area, La Mirada, has done a book on three questions about spiritual warfare that's just really helpful, and Clint's a personal friend. Uh, so three questions about spiritual warfare. That will that will give you some good next steps. Uh, there's a lot of stuff available. But if you could if you could look at that thing that I did on biblicaltraining.org and then take a look at Clint's books book, uh, that'd be a really good next step. Awesome. Yeah. And then on my website, uh, brashears.net, if you look there, I've got a tab that spiritual warfare resources. And I've got a number of things in that spot that are, you're welcome to use. Awesome. I will I will link to all that in, in our show notes. So if somebody wanted to go look that up really quick, you can do that. Um, very cool. Um, now, any, I guess, um, uh, by the way, uh, 
Biblical Training uh, is a fantastic <laughs> website. It's fantastic. And I, and I loved it. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I also have uh, uh, loved your website. I don't know if you, you probably haven't known this, but I've snooped on your website quite a bit. Um, oh, no, you, you didn't. <laughs> ah, I'm going to block you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been it's been very helpful um it's been a great resource um well gary uh is there any last things that you would like to say on this topic i just want to pray for people listening to this absolutely please Lord jesus we have been talking about the victory that you had through your incarnation your life your death your resurrection your exaltation pouring out the holy spirit and i pray that as people listen to this holy spirit will you open their eyes to see better what's going on behind the curtain, to see uh, in their own inner world where the forces of sin and shame and despair are coming. So I pray that you'll do that. I pray that people have courage to look and the spiritual authority to do what you have given us that authority to do in a calm, committed love for the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. And I pray this. Amen. Amen. Gary, it has been an uh, an honor and uh, a an intriguing blast uh, to have this conversation <laughs> with you. So thanks so much. Good. Yep. God bless. If you were anything like me, I was whipped from being encouraged to creeped out to relieved. My heart, and I know this is Gary's heart as well, is that our focus, our attention, our curiosity would be completely honed in and focused upon Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Uh, if this conversation is stirred up for you, old memories or moments that have been a great concern, I would encourage you to follow Gary's wisdom and go seek somebody out to help kind of discern what's going on in your life, a, a doctor, a counselor, a pastor, and even a spirit-minded friend. I have links to everything we kind of talked about, the resources in our show notes to go there to check that out. Um, after this episode, we are going to be moving into the fall. And as we move into the fall, um, we are going to be moving our uh, podcast episodes to every other week. I would love to keep releasing these episodes every week, but I have a few things on my plate coming this fall that I have to make some adjustments in my schedule. So next on our podcast, uh, the first Wednesday of September, will be John Sanders. John has an incredible story. He uh, was a pastor at a rural church in South Dakota that rapidly grew, and it became a multi-site church in a rural community. Uh, he has recently been asked to um, step on board at the Billy Graham Center uh, as the director of content um, for the Rural Matters Institute, where they assist and equip pastors and churches churches in rural and small town America. I mean, it's a pretty cool story. He talks a lot about this, uh, but one of the ways that you can ensure not to miss that episode and the ones to follow is by simply subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Well, I hope that this conversation has helped you in your life so that you can make a greater impact in your life. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you the first Wednesday of September as we talk about what God is doing in rural America.